This is Destination Draft Day right here in the Landry Football Network. Nick Durst here, joined momentarily by our very own draft guru, Michael Rockman, to discuss the battle for the number one pick. And of course, we'll go over what happened this past weekend in college football and the NFL as well. Michael's going to hand out his rookies of the week. And we'll take your questions as, as we go throughout. As always, we appreciate you watching our show. Thank you for joining. And please help us spread the word. As you can catch us on the Chris Landry Twitch channel at www.twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football. And you can listen to this podcast on your mobile device by signing up for Landry Football's conference call wherever you get your podcast. For a look at the game of football from a coaching, scouting, administrative perspective, go to LandryFootball.com today. From high school, college, to the NFL, from recruiting, to the NFL draft, to free agency, from pregame to postgame film analysis, to all the inside scoop on players, teams, coaches, and schemes, LandryFootball.com is your source for all things football. And while you're on a website, this is what you got to do. So you're on LandryFootball.com and... We are a proud sponsor. We are proud to be sponsored by American betting experts here for Landry Football, one of the largest licensed sports and casino vendors in the U.S. We are teamed together to provide special gaming offers to all Landry Football followers and podcast listeners. So here's what you do. Go to the website, LandryFootball.com. Please click on the ad located in the upper right-hand side of the page. Pick up on the gaming sites legal in your state, such as BetMGM, DraftKings, FanDuel, and PointsBet. Sign up instantly. Receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Again, go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, and get in the action with a special offer for American betting experts. Bring it in, Michael, now. Michael, what a crazy weekend it was in sports. Of course, we start with the typical story, which was COVID-19. Nick Saban had COVID-19. You saw he was back in time to whoop Georgia so obviously still Georgia's not in the same class as Alabama you saw UNC fall and I think the really the other big story of the weekend was that Notre Dame won but what an ugly win that was 12-7 win over Louisville yeah in college football we saw a lot of great games talking about Georgia Alabama this game seemed close for a while and then really just Alabama started to take off it really started to raise questions on if Stetson Bennett is the quarterback for this team going forward, a lot of people are wanting to call for JT Daniels, who wasn't able to start the season due to not being cleared for an ACL injury. Some people are just, you know, tired of seeing a talented Georgia team not compete with Alabama whenever they feel like they should be at least close in the game. And it was a closer game than the final score gives it credit for. It wasn't until the end that Alabama really started to pull apart. But at the same time, you know, that's not what the Georgia standard is right now. They are wanting to be a legit contender, and right now right. they are not getting a. Who do you think was? Who do you think was advising Jake Fromm to go pro? And he's somebody who would have benefited from having his senior year, don't you think? Yeah, I think it was just a um, a struggling uh, junior season. The concern is if you go in and you have another bad season, you're going from, you know, kind of getting the benefit of the doubt to just going undrafted. And he wasn't really a great fit for Todd Monken. So I, I guess that's what the thought process was. It's, hey, you know, I've still had three winning seasons in college football, two good seasons statistically. So 
I guess from there is just kind of making sure that he secured his bag. Yeah, I guess I guess that makes sense. And the big news for college football is this weekend the Big Ten is back. Michael, I'm assuming you got Ohio State winning this conference very easily. Yeah, I got Ohio State winning. I'm super excited to see Justin Fields in action. Just excited to see the entire Big Ten get into play. I think they're going to wipe the floor with Nebraska, who could potentially be a solid school a little bit better than we've seen in the past. But still think Ohio State is the top dog there. So for Nebraska fans, if you lose week one, don't lose hope. You guys can still be legit. It's just Ohio State is a different animal. Uh, well, what do you, what do you think of the Michigan this year? Jim yeah, Harbaugh is last year. Across the rest of the Big Ten, there are a lot of great schools. You look at Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, schools like that, Penn State. And for Michigan, it really kind of depends on how Joe Milton comes out and plays. There are certainly question marks all around, but I think the biggest thing is, can we get a star quarterback under center that can lead this team to better than just being an okay team? And, you know, I'm not sure about Milton. I haven't gotten to see him play many snaps, so I couldn't give you any evaluation or guess for what's going to happen. I hope he's great. I mean, that'd be super exciting if we could see Ohio State and Michigan both top of the class in the Big Ten, both 11-0, and or I mean, I guess not 11-0 and this year, but both undefeated and, you know, competing. I guess their matchup's a little earlier this year than the last week of the season, so maybe, uh, maybe just an undefeated matchup heading into their game and then undefeated versus one loss for the championship or something who knows but ultimately or never mind because they're not they're in the same side of the division but ultimately I want to see these teams at their best and for Michigan to be at their best they need to have a star caliber play out of Joe Joe Milton thanks to everyone who has found us on twitch tv twitch.tv forward slash the Chris Landry football show two things today Hit the follow button. It's a little heart at the bottom right of the screen that will automatically send you a message every time we are live right here in Destination Draft Day. And a link to the show. And secondly, chat with us on Twitch and say hi. Anything we anything you want to say, we're always here for it. We're gonna re, we're gonna read your comments. Our buddy Glock Lesnar says, yo, we appreciate the, the greetings yo. as as well there. And sharing is caring. Thanks to everyone who is watching us on Twitch right now. Uh, if you can, share the Twitch show link to one of any of your social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whichever one you wish. Just go to the bottom of the page on the right-hand side, click the share button, and send it off. Tell us where you sent it in the chat, and we will give you a shout-out. And we just wanted to also let you know that subscribing to the Chris Landry football show on Twitch gives you access to the very cool emoticons, or emotes, as the kids say. Only subscribers get them, and whenever you're in the chat room, these emotes... You'll see them, and, and, and of course, you'll, you'll love them. And a special hello for our subscribers. Subscribe today while we are broadcasting, and we will see the special alert in our broadcast. And we'll send a shout-out and cheer to you to welcome you to the Chris Landry football team. Michael, in the NFL, some wild games so far in this, this weekend. And I think the Steelers, they really came out and made a statement, and they said, hey, we are the best team in the AFC. Yeah, when you're looking at just how well the Steelers performed, I think it's clear that they had an excellent performance against the Browns. Baker Mayfield ended up going out of the game. I don't think this is a sign of trouble for Baker Mayfield's job, but I do think 
that uh, this proves that the Steelers are at the top of the class of the AFC North. I think the Baltimore Ravens are their only real competition at the moment. And right now, the Steelers have nothing really to fear. I think the Ravens just struggled against the Eagles, who are notoriously not too hot this season. And then you look at uh, just how good the Steelers have played, how consistent they've been able to just produce points and have a great defense. The real thing that was said, I mean, this offseason was, we know the Steelers' defense is great. It just depends on their offense. And if their offense is better than it was with, than with Mason Rudolph, then they should be good. Did and you have Claypool as like the top wide one of our top wide receivers for this year's draft? So I didn't get to evaluate Claypool as much as I would like. So I never gave like an official report or ranking on him. But one of my biggest things for him was I wanted to see him at tight end just to see, just have him be an absolute mismatch monster. And I mean, it, it appears he's already that at receiver. So no doubt about it. Uh, back to college football real quick. Black Lesnar says Alabama's defense looks suspect right now. I don't know if they've ever, if I've ever seen them pushed around in the trenches like they have been this year. Yeah, I think they'll be absolutely destroyed by Clemson again if, if they match up in the college football playoff, Michael. Yeah, it's going to be one of those offensive shootouts if that happens. I don't think I trust Clemson's defense entirely as well, but there's definitely a defensive issue for Alabama. If you watch the Ole Miss game, I mean, they were getting pushed around by Jerry Neely and that offensive line, and Ole Miss just got shut down by Arkansas. So it's not like they were, you know, some firepower offense, and I'm sure they're they're probably playing a little bit more with the chip on the shoulder against Alabama than they came prepared for against Arkansas. But at the same time, I mean, when you're giving up like 50 points to Ole Miss, there's still issues. And Alabama has the talent, has everything necessary. It's just you got to be able to contain this run. I like their defensive line. You look at Barmore, LeBron Ray, Fedarian Mathis, DJ Dale. They're excellent pieces on this defensive line. It's just trying to get that front seven to work together to stop the run. And right now it's not happening. Yeah, and if Clemson puts up 70 like they did this past weekend, no <laughs> one's going to stop them. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and other big games in the NFL, uh, the Colts, you know, they came from behind against Burrow and the Bengals, so we'll see if that impacts Burrow's chance to make the the all-Rockman rookie team this week. Uh, but, you know, Phillip Rivers led him to behind win. Uh, Titans, they, they beat the Texans, where Romeo Cornell went for two. Speaking of going for two, Rod Rivera goes for two to beat the Giants, and Giants just get lucky. And they uh, they end up getting their first one of the season. So now it's they're 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 a game out for Trevor Lawrence, and they're also a game out for first place in the NFC East. Have you ever seen anything like that six weeks into the NFL season? First pick or or playoffs, one game difference? No, right now there's so many teams with just one win, five losses, or one win, four losses, and a tie. And there's the Jets that haven't won a game yet. There's I don't know. There seems to be a very big jump, and it's like you're either a bad team right now or you're just already a contender. So very big difference between the uh, talent levels in the NFL. The bottom teams that seem to be in contention for the actual number one pick, we'll talk about that later. But, yeah, there's just a lot of misplay and dirty football right now that just needs to be cleaned up because there are some talented teams that are struggling a lot right now. Yeah, one team that's not struggling is the Tennessee Titans. ML Brawls won once. Now, what are we thinking about the undefeated Tennessee Titans? I'm thinking 
they, they got that nice two-week break because they have the, the coronavirus outbreak. We'll see if they're puni- if they get punished. But team's good. I mean, Tannehill has, has, has been great since he took over last year. Derrick Henry becomes the uh, third person to rush for 200 yards and multiple touchdowns in a game. Uh, he's done, it's the third time he's done it, rather. Uh, and they just they seem to be rolling right now. AFCs, it's, it's going to be tight. I mean, I don't really – I mean, I expect the Chiefs to actually struggle big time with the Bills tonight. Um, but, you know, the, their division is not very strong. They should have probably lost to the Chargers, but they'll still, they'll still win that division. So, you know, give them the respect. We'll assume they're going to be in the AFC championship game. The Steelers, that's who I think is going, going to the Super Bowl at this point. The Colts, the, the Colts defense, for the most part, other than yesterday, has really helped them big time. And the, the Raiders, they look good, too. Let's not forget about them. Uh, so there's there's a lot of talent out there. And the AFC playoffs are going to be wild. And right now, it looks like the Patriots are on the outside looking in. Their worst, their worst start to a season since 2002. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know what they could uh, do differently. Uh, obviously, they they got crushed without Hoyer, so that's fine. But Cam Newton, uh, he had he had some big runs at the end, but overall, the offense just was not moving too well yesterday, Michael. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing is just trying to get healthy, get everyone back. With a uh, limited practice week, it's always going to be difficult. Uh, answering MLB rules question about Titans. I mean, really the big games for the schedule is you got to get by Pittsburgh. You got to get by Indy twice, which I think they do are at least are very capable of beating Indy twice. But it's just those games against Pittsburgh and uh, Green Bay that really hit on the schedule. But this this overall end of the season schedule isn't difficult at all. You got Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Chicago, Indy, Baltimore, Indianapolis again, Cleveland, Jacksonville, Detroit, Green Bay, Houston. None of those games you look at and you're saying, oh, Titans can't win that, or they're not the favorites to win that. And, you know, I mean, there's going to be games that are going to be difficult for sure, but they're they're probably going to be looking at like a 13 and three season at yeah. the worst. And That's impressive. Yeah, they're gonna they're gonna have quite the year. And Vrabel gets all the credit in the world. He's put together a great team and coached this team very well. You look at just how well this offense has moved, whether it's Derrick Henry or whether it's how well Tannehill's played this year. The Titans deserve a lot of credit, and their defense is underrated every year, it seems like. So that just continues on this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, teams that, you know, a team that I've been all over since the preseason thinking they were going to have a good year, back in the playoffs, Chicago Bears. Now they're rolling. They're off to their best franchise start in a long time. Uh, They beat the Panthers, and – their offense is still kind of iffy. It's not really, they're not really moving the ball too well, but they're getting the job done. They beat the, the Buccaneers last week, of course. And now with the Buccaneers, with a ridiculous defensive performance against the Packers, that kind of opens the door for the Bears to, to win the NFC North. So that's going to be big time when, when those two teams play each other in, in the coming weeks. And you got the Cardinals taking on the Cowboys and Sunday Night Football. It's a big game for them because the 49ers, surprisingly, Stop the Rams. They win 24-16. And, of course, the least surprising game of the weekend would have to be the Dolphins shutting out the Jets 24-0. Uh, but Tua Tagovailoa gets his his first uh, in-game action there. He, he rolled out to, to his left. Then he, he uh, dumped off a pass, his first pass. Then he, he threw for a first down. I don't think he got the first down, but they rolled it for him. Uh, but interesting that they put him out there at the end and – 
Fitzpatrick was, was his biggest cheerleader there. Uh, but the Dolphins, they're 500 now, so it might be a while before you see Tua again under center. Yeah, the Dolphins are rolling. Brian Flores has put together a great defense, and they are starting to get things going now. Uh, they're taking advantage of the games that they should win, and that's huge. When you are able to win the games that you should be winning, you are going to find yourself having a lot more success in the NFL. And, you know, even weeks last week against, like, the 49ers, no one really expected them to win, and they came out and they put together a great performance. I think the Dolphins are getting hot. And I don't know if they're a playoff team yet, but I think they are heading in the right direction, which is what most Dolphins fans are expecting right now. It's just more progress year to year and some reason to have hope. And I think so far with what we've seen, there's a reason to be excited about this squad. Yeah, certainly. Uh, they're, they're looking good, especially defensively. Second half of last year on this year. Falcons finally get their first win. You mentioned before the Ravens barely hung on to beat the Eagles. Uh, the Lions... They're, you know, doing better as of late uh, in this month, at least they beat the Jaguars and, you know, it's, it's really gonna, it's gonna, we're getting a very bit of a cluttered situation here when it comes to, of course, the playoffs, but certainly the first pick as well. And we'll get to that a little bit, but, uh, what was interesting, uh, this week, Michael, and I don't know if you, uh, happened to, to catch it, but within the Giants game, uh, number four overall pick. Andrew Thomas was benched to start the game. And so that was interesting. He hasn't really played all that great this year, but um, apparently it was a, a violation over, over a team policy. Uh, so not for his performance and eventually came back in the game, but uh, you know, judges showing that he's a stickler for accountability and people are drawing comparisons to, to Tom Coughlin so I'm not really sure what he violated, but uh, Pert out of UConn actually started the game, and then Thomas came in. But so Thomas, I think he's going to be disqualified for rookies of the week. Uh, who actually were your rookies of the week this week? Yeah, so my rookies of the week this week. First, we're getting off with DeAndre Swift, who had a huge game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's been talked about on the show before. We think that the uh, the constant usage of AP. Whether you like AP or not, it's just kind of a question of, hey, you got a second-round rookie right there with DeAndre Swift. You got another young guy in Carrion Johnson. You should, at the very least, be trying to spread out this run attack. And this week they finally did. They let DeAndre Swift get involved, and he had 17 touches, 123 yards, and two touchdowns. I think going forward, the Lions have looked very impressive. And, you know, you got to build on that. And you got to try to keep getting your young guys involved and hopefully grow their role over the season. And I think with that, you get some great play. I think DeAndre Swift just proved, hey, you get me the ball, you'll see what happens. And I told people week one, I said, hey, I know he dropped this touchdown catch and you guys are probably heartbroken about it, but this guy has some talent. Hopefully, Lions fans, this kind of redeems that week one game. And now going forward, he can continue to be a star for you guys. My second rookie of the week is Justin Jefferson, who is not only a rookie of the week, he is just looking like a star wide receiver in the NFL already. Nine catches, 166 yards, two touchdowns in the Falcons game. They ended up losing this game, but Justin Jefferson was definitely not the reason. He was an absolute monster, and I think it's just at this point he has just proven himself to be an established great receiver. So we will see what happens with his career, but there's much to be excited about. The third rookie of the week is T. Higgins, 
Six catches, 125 yards. This was a nice breakout performance for Higgins. He had one big catch that was a huge chunk of his yardage. However, Higgins still put together a great outing, and I think that is what you really need when you have a young quarterback and you're drafting young weapons to hopefully grow with him, having these big performances, and whether you're getting all these yards in one catch or over multiple ones, as long as you're producing, that's all you need. And Higgins put together a great performance for the Bengals this week. At number four, we got Michael Ojemudia, seven tackles, two forced fumbles against the Patriots, and a huge pass deflection. He has really grown into his role. Everyone that knew about Ojemudia seemed to be excited about him. Coming from Iowa, they have a nice amount of success with defensive backs, and Ojemudia seems to be on pace to be contributing to that long list as well. He was a big part of the Patriots' loss and the Broncos' victory you look at those two forced fumbles and the Patriots just continuously turn the ball over this game and being able to get the ball, whether it's on interceptions or on fumbles, if you're able to create turnovers, you give your team a chance. I think the Patriots without these turnovers probably win the game, honestly. And, you know, it's just a huge testament to the rookie that he was able to go in there and get the ball punched out of those uh, ball carriers hands and, Whenever you create opportunity, you got to take advantage, and the Broncos didn't. They took the victory as well. Number five, we got Jeremy Chin, who had four tackles, an assistant tackle, one interception, and one pressure on the quarterback. He was absolutely dominant. It seems to be Jeremy Chin is just a regular on this list. I just have to leave him in the graphic every single time I create this list. He is looking like a stud. He plays all over the field, whether it's edge, outside corner, linebacker, safety, free safety, strong safety, whatever you need him to do, he is going to be a stud for you, and he is a huge piece of the Panthers' defense going forward. It's so exciting to see all of these young rookies performing throughout the league. We didn't even get to see Justin Herbert this week, and Joe Burrow had a good performance but didn't really put up the uh, huge statistics to get on this list. There's a lot of promise in this league, and this rookie class is looking very strong. So, Michael, I guess we'll start backwards here. Jeremy Chen, do you think right now he would be the defensive rookie of the year? Uh, from what I've heard, it's pretty much between him and Patrick Queen at this point. I'm a big Jeremy Chen fan. Uh, he's from my local college at SIU, so shout out to the Salukis. So hopefully he's the one who takes it home. But, yeah, I think he's definitely put together a strong case for that. No one could really argue if he were to be the winner. Patrick Queen, though, is definitely right there neck and neck between him and Chen. And same question for Justin Jefferson. Uh, obviously, usually it goes to a quarterback, but is Justin Jefferson the offensive rookie of the year? I think there's going to be a debate for it, for sure. He's putting up insane numbers. I think he's really established himself as the top rookie wide receiver in the NFL. But I think right now Justin Herbert seems to have the lead on it. You've seen how well he's performed in these last few outings. He's put up the stats that really kind of, step out from the page for you. He really is on track to break the rookie touchdown record with how well he's been performing lately. I don't know if he keeps up that pace, but I think Justin Herbert probably has the lead right now for what we've seen from him. And I think uh, Claypool, if he continues as his historic pace yeah. right now, might have to get him in the discussion, especially if it was a four-touchdown game. Yeah, definitely. I'm not, sure what the, I'm not sure what the rookie touchdown receiving record is, but, you know, that's just – crazy four and then of course he follows up this week 
with some more touchdowns. Uh, I remember back on week one, uh, we after the first week in the games, after Swift had that big drop for the Lions, you said, "Listen, Lions fans, be patient here. Swift is going to be really good. He's going to he's going to touch the ball a lot." And this this week, he really he kind of he kind of uh, established himself as the future running back position for the Lions. Yeah, and they may still have questions. He didn't have a lot of catches. I believe there's three catches for seven yards. So they may still be hesitant about targeting him in the red zone late in the game when the game's on the line. But he definitely has shown out some great plays. He had some great runs. He was able to produce strong yardage. He had a 54-yard run on uh, one of those carries. He had overall 116 yards on the ground that day. But, yeah, Swift is definitely – a key piece of this Lions' success going forward. They have built on their success, and right now they're sitting at 2-3 and three on the season. If they can just continue to really take advantage of their games, they have Falcons next week, which I think is winnable. I think heading 3-3 three and three into that Colts game, they could be the favorite to win it. Interesting. Right? So you're not really too, too high on the Colts despite their – their good record. So far. I feel like the Colts have had a lot of games where they've come out flat and, you know, it's become a lot closer than we've really mm-hmm. kind of seen between them. I mean, you look at most of their games have come down to one possession. They beat the bears by eight. They beat the Bengals by four, and then they lost the Jaguars. There's a lot of games where, you know, as long as you can make sure that Phillip rivers isn't killing you, which oftentimes he isn't, you have a strong chance. And this Defense is definitely very talented. I'm not questioning the defense at all. But I think Ragnar, Jonah Jackson, they can do a huge job on slowing down DeForest Buckner. And then from there, you can just try to create your opportunity. And I think Stafford has the arm talent, and they have the weapons there on offense to really make it happen. And look at the Vikings. Jefferson, obviously, has been a great draft pick. Uh, the team struggled though. They everyone, a lot of people thought they'd be back in the playoffs this year. I mean, obviously they won their first playoff game last year with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins comes out and says, with the rate he's playing, uh, he's going to be benched by the end of the season. I don't know about that. I'm not really sure about their backup quarterback situation. But last year, I think three interceptions through this point, and this year he's got ten. That's that's a big struggle there. Uh, looking towards, I guess, the draft here. What? What do you have any needs specifically for the Vikings? Is it more so an offensive thing or or defense defensive? Because they seem to put some points up, but uh, they keep they keep losing these close games. Yeah, if they're looking at quarterback, they'll probably look for someone that they can have sit for a year. Right now, with Kirk Cousins' contract, he's not going anywhere until next year, unless they just really want to get rid of him so badly that they're willing to eat all that dead cap, which seems unlikely. Outside of that, though, I think the biggest thing is just trying to continue to add to this offensive line. I think they could still use some guard help. And then on the other side, I think there's still some secondary help that could be had. The uh, the eventual need to replace Harrison Smith is going to be there. The cornerbacks still need to develop. Jeff Gladney, Aki, you look at Cameron Dantzler, who is also a rookie, and then you have guys like Mike Hughes, who just haven't produced as well as you would have wanted. Holton Hill hasn't played up to a standard. So if they have a guy that they really love at the cornerback spot, maybe someone like a Tyson Campbell that they say, hey, this guy fits our needs and fits what our team is really all about, that could be a huge get. But at the same time, not sure we're going to see Mike Zimmer back next season. There's already been calls for him to be fired in the past. And now with a bad regular season, even though it's, you know, close games, a lot of close losses, and 
really the question is more on the offense and the defensive side of things. I don't think that we're going to see Zimmer back here. So it really is going to become a whole new scheme thing. So we could see guys kind of getting replaced, getting moved around if they aren't really what the new coach wants. Wow. So you think Mike Zimmer, I mean, he's he's obviously more known for his historic defense with uh, the Bengals all his years. So I, I think Zimmer, uh, for the most part, he's been a pretty solid head coach. I could definitely see him getting another coaching job down the line. but And I think he deserves it. I yeah. think him being like Rivera where he just kind of gets a job right away. And whether uh, Vikings fans agree with me on him getting fired or not, I think they would agree that it's at least uh, been talked about in the past. And with this season, there's more of a chance than ever. But yeah, uh, maybe I they'll bring in Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien gets another job. Like you mentioned, whether it's at the NFL level or college level, I, someone's going to hire him. Zimmer, maybe he's a coordinator for a year, but he should get another head coaching job. Uh, some people just, they're great coordinators. They're not good coaches. I mean, look at Todd Bowles. He was terrible at the Jets. And now look what his defense did with, with the Buccaneers this, yeah. this past week against the Packers. And dating back to his time with Arians in Arizona, the Cardinals were Super Bowl contenders each year. And that was just all thanks to the defense. Uh, but obviously Zimmerman's a defensive guy, but the, the way this league has gone, Michael, it's all the GMs and owners and fans, they, they want the next hot offensive coordinator in there to coach their team. And I think it's going to be a while before we see defensive coordinators getting looks again to get hired. Yeah, and it's kind of sad to see. It's very difficult to play defense in this day and age. A lot of coaches have gotten so good that you kind of just line up your QB. McVeigh does this. He lines up his quarterback, and then he calls all these audibles based on whatever the defensive look is. And then Jared Goff just kind of snaps the ball and makes the read from there. But, I mean, we're seeing a lot of offensive play calling, a lot of offensive adjustment. Defenses have gotten so difficult that you have to line up and kind of give away some defensive scheme that you're not actually running, and you dis- you disguise what front you're actually doing. So you line up, and you're trying to give away this huge, oh, it's definitely going to be cover two, it's definitely going to be cover two, and then you run out, and you're actually running the cover six, running the cover three, running the cover one, running zero over right. the top. Like, it's just – it's so many different looks, and you're really never allowed to give it away right away or else you're getting torched. And, yeah, it's very difficult to be a defensive guy in this league. And especially for guys that want to be head coaches, it's going to be like a limited opportunity for teams that are really going to be interested in bringing in a defensive coach. Right. Of course, uh, Robert Saleh, people remembering for him to be a head coach. But, you know, the defense has just been our high coordinators. And you would think Steve Spagnola perhaps earned a second chance uh, to be to be a head coach. But again, I don't think they're going to be too many people looking for defensive coordinators to be their head coach. Uh, the two hot names, I think, on the market for coaching, other than you know the recycled guys like Zimmer, if he gets let go, or uh, O'Brien or Quinn, I think is going to be, and it's no surprise to Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator, and Joe Brady, the Panthers offensive coordinator. How about Joe Brady? He wasn't even the coordinator in college, but the offensive passing coach with LSU, and perhaps in two years he ends up being a head coach, most likely in Cincinnati with the Bengals if if they decide to move off from Taylor. Yeah, I think Brady has proven himself. I think this offense has shown a lot of promise. Bridgewater missed some big throws that could have gotten them the victory over Chicago last week. I think 
Bridgewater is a fine quarterback. He's a good uh, gap QB type, but you look at just what Brady has done for this offense, and I think there's a lot of promise to be uh, enticed by. And, yeah, if he has a chance at the Bengals job, I think that's going to be his ideal landing spot, and I think that it would be the Bengals' ideal coordinator – or ideal candidate, sorry. Um, and really the question is, if you're the Bengals, have you seen enough from Zach Taylor or do you want to go with Joe Brady? I think, you know, it's, it's, you can't really go wrong either way. You either want consistency for your rookie quarterback or you want to get the guy that you've already seen him kind of be a star under. So both ways make sense. I think I would probably lean going Joe Brady just because I haven't gotten it out of uh, Zach Taylor yet. And I felt like he was kind of unproven as it was whenever he stepped in for the Bengals head coaching job. And with Joe Brady, I feel like they, they've overachieved. Whereas with uh, Zach Taylor, I haven't really seen them overachieve at all. It's just kind of neat expectations or even underperform at times. So that's going to be this week's Rockman's Rookies of the Week. Every other player, try harder next week. And, and Michael will get you, get you in, the, uh, in the mix for the Rockman Rookies of the Week. And we keep monitoring that throughout. And, of course, at the end of the year, Michael named his Rookies of the Year. No doubt about it. But – there's there's a lot of teams who sure they got some good rookies, but now they're already looking towards the draft for next year for the next class of rookies and try to build a team through the draft. And it's a tight race here at the top. Uh, you know the the Washington football team did what they had to do in order to get close to that number one pick, and they came up with that two point conversion idea and they lost to so the right back on the next number one pick. I don't know if they're they're gonna they, they pick Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the fact that Dwayne Haskins is, is not even dressing, I guess I guess would tell you they would. Yeah, uh, I feel like they're one of the most teams – like, they're guaranteed to pick a QB this year, for sure. Yeah, Unless so, they're going and signing Newton or something, but I, I doubt maybe. it. Maybe. Yeah, so they got uh, Newton and Rivera coming back together. That's a possibility. But, yeah, obviously the Jets, the only undefeated team left in the league. Giants are 1-5. Washington's 1-5. Falcons, they're right up there. The Texans would be up there, but they don't have a draft pick. So there's a uh, there's it's it's getting crowded at the top of the draft. But right now, the Jets got have to be the favorites. Yeah, there's there's plenty of teams that are competing for that number one pick. But really, I think it comes down to just three teams. You look at the Jets, zero and six; Washington Football Team, one and five; and the New York Giants, one and five. As you can see, there's some other contenders. That are here. You got the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Houston Texans, Cincinnati Bengals, Los Angeles Chargers, Philadelphia Eagles, Minnesota Vikings, and Atlanta Falcons all at one win as well. However, I think between the Jets, Washington football team, and New York Giants, one of these teams is going to be the number one pick and taking home Trevor Lawrence, the grand prize of this draft. Right now, you look at this Jets schedule, and there's not really a spot that you think, oh, they should win that game, or, oh, they got a good shot. Even. So 0-16 is definitely a question. I think their best odds of winning is Week 10. Whenever they get that bye week, they go to Week 11 and Week 12, and they have Chargers-Dolphins. They have a chance that maybe if they fired Gase after getting blown out by the Patriots in Week 9, they fire Gase, they get the bye week, and then they come out and they play motivated. Like a lot of teams seem to do, it seems to be a recurring trend which is very interesting is that these head coaches get fired and then these teams come out and they give their best performance of the season. 
We saw right. the Texans getting their first win and the Falcons getting their first win. You know, if you're like a fringe playoff team, you need a win or win and you're in, maybe you should just fire your head coach before the last game of the regular season, get yourself in that spot. Just kidding. Don't do that team. I think, I think Adam Gates, actually advise it. I mean, he's doing exactly what the Jets wanted to do, which is lose games. So what, what's the point of, of, of firing this guy? How about Greg Williams trying to throw, throw him under the bus and the offense under the bus? I mean, what a joke. Yeah, Greg Williams is. The guy's yeah. never going to be a head coach. He thinks he's going to be a head coach. Not happening. I think the Jets' best chance for winning would be in week 16 or 17 if the Browns or Patriots are already out of playoff contention. They probably won't you know, get up for those games. So that could be a potential spot where the Jets could steal a win uh, when they're 0-14. Yeah, and there's random games that teams will eventually lose. I remember last year whenever the uh... – Browns were like 0-13, not last year, but a few years, years ago, yeah. the Deshaun Kaiser year. Years, the Browns yeah. were like 0-13, came into like the 7-6 uh, and six Chargers, and they ended up winning that game, and everyone was like, what in the world just happened? So the chance is there Hugh every Jackson, Sunday. I mean, Hugh Jackson's record is much worse than Gaze, so I don't I don't know why people are, are – uh, never. no one ever got on Hugh Jackson's case, but he was uh, – Probably. Well, yeah, that was his first year, though. Back. This is. Well, his first is, year he went. His first year he went one and fifteen. His second year he went zero and sixteen. So, uh, I think uh, that's probably the worst head coaching that you could ever ever see. And he's currently, uh, I think, I think he's coaching with the Raiders in some capacity now. I'm not I'm not sure, but he's he's always he was a good he always was a good coordinator. Um, actually, he's back with the Bengals. He's a special assistant to Zach Taylor. So. Uh, but his overall coaching career record, not that great. Oh yeah, not good. Total a total when when he was 11, 44 and one in his career. He did coach the Raiders one season. Yeah, and uh, you know you look at this week to week performance, and you see like week nine, the Giants and the Washington Football Team meet up yet again, and whoever wins that game probably takes themselves out entirely from the Trevor Lawrence situation. And the loser of that game probably is looking at the opportunity to be the number one pick. It really comes down to how the Jets perform and how these teams finish out. There are some other games that could potentially flip things. You know, if the Eagles do continue to struggle and they lose these games, we saw the Washington football team already beat them once. Giants get them next week. If the Eagles Giants, lose Giants the Giants. Have Thursday, so yep. it is a possibility. You never know what those Thursday night games. If the Eagles lose to the Giants, they may have to find themselves on this graphic. There are definitely opportunities to win more so on the Giants and Washington football team schedule. So the Jets have to be the favorite, but man, it's just these three teams all have so much dysfunction going around their roster. There's so much that needs to be changed. And it's really just about the process of where they're at. Joe Judge just came in. So the uh, lack of roster talent is understandable there, but Gettleman certainly seems to be on the hot seat, I feel like. And then you look at what Washington has. Rivera's just now coming in. They've benched their young quarterback in Dwayne Haskins, who will likely be on a new roster at least by the time this draft happens. I think Haskins is guaranteed yeah, to be on a new roster. I think he'll be on the XFL. <laughs> I, I doubt that. He'll he'll have someone that's willing to take him in at the very least. Now look but, at the Giants. Just you know, for people who are saying, oh, the Giants can make the playoffs. Uh they have to beat the Eagles twice. They have to beat Washington. That's three wins. They got to beat the Cowboys. That's four. 
then they have to beat the Bengals, that'd be five, and then they have to somehow win a game against Tampa Bay, Seattle, Baltimore, or the Browns just to get to seven wins. 79 does maybe put you in the mix for the NFC Championship, NFC East Championship, but it's a tall order. But again, the Cowboys are in first right now with two wins, uh, and they play the Cardinals tonight. If they get the third win, then it's probably, uh, you know, there's no chance that the, the Giants or the Washington football team could catch them with a two-game deficit. Yeah, and really the biggest issue for Dallas is the secondary. So if you can get a hot offensive outing, then you got yourself a chance. I look at some of these games, and I think the biggest thing that the uh, Jets don't have that Washington and New York does is just opportunity. And we talked about it. You said some of the games already for the Giants, but – when you're playing teams like the Bengals, even the Panthers or the Eagles and getting to play each other with the Washington and New York matchup, you got that chance to actually come out and win these games. And I feel like that's just what separates these teams right now is the Jets, even though they probably have a worse team overall, they don't have that chance to get those games that they could potentially go in and win. Whereas Washington, you have games where you can say, well, it's not impossible to see them pull a victory here. I mean, that Washington defensive line feasting on Bobby Hart and the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line, they got a chance they could pull that game, even though the Bengals should probably be the favorite for that game, and they have more promise than the Washington football team. If Joe Burrow's getting hit all game, there's definitely a chance that this offense could be thrown out of whack and Washington just has to put up 17 points to really come away with anything. So the opportunity is there for Washington and New York and all these other contenders uh, to uh, really yeah, win games, whereas the Jets, they just seem like a clear underdog If you look at these these teams, like Jets have had no chance to win any game so far this season. The Giants, you could maybe say they should have beat the Cowboys, they should have beat the Rams, and you're like, oh, well, they, they definitely shouldn't have beat Washington. Uh, yes, that game should have at least went to overtime, so – that could be another win there for Washington. Washington's been in plenty of games that they should have won. So the Jets, I think, by far are, are the worst team in the league. I know we joked with Brian on a, a Friday show before the season about this, and I think Joe we had a comment from Joe, and he said Jets are going to go 0-16, and, hey, it looks like uh, it's a possibility. But 10 more, 10 more games to go, uh, definitely tough. And like, like you said, no matter what, any – single uh sunday any team could win so sure it'd be crazy to, to think ahead of time the jets could beat the chiefs in week eight but it certainly can happen we've seen crazier things happen before yeah and you know the closest game for the jets so far is probably when drew Locke was out for the Bengals, which is already a decimated roster not just qb but defense is struggling as well so yeah, they have not shown to be a real contender. Now Sam Darnold's been hurt. I think he comes back soon, whether it's uh, against Buffalo or he finds himself back against Kansas City. But uh, we got a tough three-game slate coming up for the Jets. It's going to be some ugly games back-to-back-to-back, to back to back, and we'll see what happens. But it's not looking good for the game green. Yeah, I mean, I think game green is <laughs> – that's a good nickname for them because things are looking uh, looking dirty here for the team, and it's gonna be it's gonna be real tough. Uh, from the other contenders, which team do you think would have the best chance to 
maybe fall into a top two, top three pick? I think the clear choice is probably either the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Cincinnati Bengals. You look at Jacksonville has struggled now after getting that big week one victory against Indianapolis. They've had some close games. They've had some promising outings from Gardner Minshew, but overall they just have not met the total expectation. They are now one in five after losing five straight games. They play the chargers next week. So I guess whoever loses that game can potentially find themselves as more of a contender for that number one pick, or at least being a top pick in this draft. But I mean, after the Chargers, they have a lot of tough outings, and it's not mm-hmm. going to be easy. You got Chargers, Texans, Packers, Steelers, Browns, Vikings, Titans, Ravens, Bears, Colts. And there's some teams that haven't really put up great records, per se. I mean, you got the Texans and the Vikings, but I feel like it's pretty clear from eye test alone that, you know, the Texans are a better team than the Jaguars right now. The Vikings are a better team than the Jaguars right now. So, if they find themselves in that two or three spot, they may look at going quarterback, which, I mean, Minshew has shown promise. But if you if you love one of these guys and you think that they're a star quarterback, they could decide to opt out of that and make that move, especially with what will likely be a new head coach. Yeah, I would, I would not be surprised there. Uh, Doug Marone kind of set up to fail over the season. So I always don't like when the owners or GMs get rid of their coaches who are set up to fail. Uh, but they, every, every GM is looking for a fall guy because they don't want to lose their job. Uh, don't forget to take advantage of our special gaming offers for American betting experts. <laughs> Go to LandryFootball.com, click on the ad located in the upper right side of the page, pick among the gaming sites legal in your state, sign up and instantly receive an account deposit match or risk-free bet from $100 to $1,000. It's that easy. Thanks to our sponsor, American Betting Experts. Thank you for being part of the Chris Landry Football <laughs> Show on Twitch. We love the participation and new to the program as a subscriber benefit. If you have Amazon Prime, Amazon will take care of your monthly fee free for you to be one of our insiders, our fan club, so to speak. You then get the Twitch commercial free experience plus more to be announced soon. Special alerts for subscribers. Subscribe today while we are broadcasting live. And we will see this special alert in our broadcast. We'll send a shout out and cheer to you and welcome you to the B, the Chris Landry football show team. Appreciate all of our listeners here, as always. Michael, we got not one, but we got two Monday Night Football games tonight, which is becoming a new a new trend as of late. So we'll start off with what I think is the better game tonight, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs, who lost last week against the Bills, who lost last week. I think both teams were kind of looking ahead to this game. Uh, obviously, the Bills, their schedule got impacted because the Titans – they were playing them and everything got delayed. But this game, I think, is going to be a good one, and it's going to be a real test to see where where do the Bills really stack up with the elite in the AFC. Uh, I've really I've really enjoyed watching the progression of Josh Allen the past three years. Uh, he's, he's he was playing at an MVP level up until last week, and I think I think I'm going to have to go with the Bills in this one. I really I think they're just that the matchup wise is, is going to really help them. And uh, I think that the chiefs kind of got punched in the gut there. Uh, but we'll see how Le'Veon Bell does for them in, in his debut coming over from the jets. Yeah. If you're a, a fantasy owner, I'd say hold off on the bell start this week. I think by <laughs> Edward Delaire is probably going to get the bulk of the carries tonight. We'll see a slight increase as time goes on, but 
I think the Chiefs end up stealing this game. I think they are the better team overall. The offense just has more firepower to make things happen. The Bills definitely have a very solid roster, and I think they've proven to be a legit team. However, I don't think they're a contender just yet, and I think tonight we're really going to get our true uh, evaluation of just how good Josh Allen can be because he struggled against the Titans a bit, but at the same time we got to see how well he plays against these greater teams. And right now with what we've seen out of the Chiefs defense, they've been kind of inconsistent. So if they have a nice outing in a primetime game, we get to really see, you know, are you going to be a legit squad? Are you going to be a legit quarterback? And I think that's one of the biggest questions coming out of uh, the Josh Allen thing right now is how good can Josh Allen be? Because we've seen the potential really meet up to expectations. And then last week I have the stat sheet pulled up 26 for 41. 263 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. So he's got to play a little bit better, and I think he knows that. Maybe depend on his legs a little bit more whenever it comes to these uh, higher-stakes games. But it it really falls on how good Josh Allen plays tonight. But I I got the Chiefs just because of how good the Chiefs offense and Patrick Mahomes is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to ever bet against against the Chiefs, but looking at their schedule, uh, I think that this is one of their – they're tougher games. Uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing them play the Raiders again, though. That that's that should be really fun. But uh, you know, obviously, this is this is the game they're they're focused on right now, and they think they're going to be back in the Super Bowl. We'll say it's it's very rare that a team is back there two years in a row. But uh, they got the Bills this week. Then they got the cheat. They got the Broncos, probably a win. They got the Jets, definitely a win. And they have the Panthers, probably a win. And then November 22nd, you got that rematch versus the Raiders. Uh, they got to pay attention there because if they're looking ahead to the next week when they're playing the Buccaneers, they can, they can easily be beaten by the Raiders again, no doubt about it. Uh, really like what John Gruden's doing this season. Uh, and then, of course, the other Monday Night Football game tonight, you have uh, the originally scheduled game and that is the Cardinals taking on the Dallas Cowboys Andy Dalton is the best back of quarterback in the league uh, <laughs> it's not often you have a back of quarterback who has led their own team to the playoffs five years uh, in five years in five seasons uh, Dallas though they have major secondary issues uh, their defense is questionable at times and when you have secondary issues and you have you're going against DeAndre Hopkins. I think that always bodes in uh, the offense favor. Hopkins has been off to a great start. Kyler Murray looked great last week. And this is, like the, this is the first time, Michael, that a lot of people are going to be able to get to see Kyler Murray in a national spotlight game. And I think it's going to be real fun. Yeah, it's going to be an exciting matchup for sure. Watching DeAndre Hopkins go against anyone in that Dallas Cowboys secondary is going to be, you know, probably having people feeling a little bit bad for the Dallas Cowboys, but at the same time, I think the Dallas Cowboys offense is very strong. The defensive line has been pretty good. I think I got the Cardinals tonight just because their passing attack is meant to play and succeed and going against a Dallas Cowboys secondary that has done anything but succeed. I think the chances there are more likely than the Dallas Cowboys offense really producing at the same rate. So I got the Cardinals tonight. I think the Cowboys have promised and they will be able to win the NFC East, but I don't think it happens tonight with a loss against the Cardinals. 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I really think the NFC's winner is probably looking at eight and eight at best. What do you think, Michael? Yeah, it's not going to be a great outing, and we could see even lower. We could see seven and nine, and maybe uncharted six territory of like a six and ten NFC East winner. It's it's that rough for this for these teams. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully, I would, uh, I would love a six and ten NFC East team to get in and just wipe out the number two seed in the first week. <laughs> it would be. Uh, uh, could very, you imagine how crazy it would be if a six and ten team? Not only like went to the playoffs, but they won a game. I and mean, we saw the Seahawks number of years go seventy nine. But yeah. a six and ten team, imagine like going on a run. Wouldn't that be fun? I feel like we'd see a lot of fans very upset and ready to change up the seeding rules where there's no division winners. But you know, if you if you win your division, you deserve to be in. So right. don't I mean, worry. The, the, uh, you're, you're the best. Fan. You're the best of the uh, the best of of, of of four teams. So. I think you know what you, you got to let them in. So yeah, uh, they're they're. I think you know at this point the Cowboys, they should be the favorites in the division, uh, only because the Eagles probably are a better team. Uh, but they're just I don't know they can't get out of their own way there. But the Cowboys, they got Cardinals this week. Then they got two games where they have to win if they want the division. They got Washington followed by Philadelphia, and then they have two games where they got the Steelers and the Vikings. So they also have to play the Ravens later on this, this season as well. Uh, so, you know, their schedule, they do have some winnable games though, of course, with Washington, the Eagles and the Giants, obviously they also have to play the Bengals and they also get to play the 49ers who, you know, they looked good yesterday against the, the Rams, but they are, they are very injured. So definitely could be winnable games there. Yeah, and the opportunity, like we said, any given Sunday could happen, but it's it's not looking good for the NFC East as a whole. <laughs> that, well, that's that's a good thing if you're a fan of the NFC East team and your team has one win, or and that means hey, maybe you got a, maybe you got a shot still, which is crazy. yeah. I think Cowboys fans are just already rooting on how bad this NFC East is, but yeah, they got to win games too, so we'll see what happens. No doubt about it. Maybe Kyle Allen wills Washington football team to the playoffs. It's, it's got to go to Alex Alex Smith. He's got to he's going to lead him into the, he's going to lead him to the playoffs at six and ten. That's going to do it here for another episode of Destination Draft Day right here for LoungerFootball.com. For our draft guru Michael Rockman, I'm Nick Durst, and we thank you once again for watching and listening to our. Great program here. Once again, this has been Destination Draft Day. Take care.